And I am a white woman, so I'm not as impacted by discrimination as some people are, but there've just been times in classes where the classic thing where I would answer a question from a professor and then a man would raise his hand and say literally the exact same thing that I had just said. Like he wasn't listening, he was listening to respond and then took what I said and said it in a longer way with more words and tried to make it sound smarter. I said last night and I'll say it again, it was like we started with that book and the rose-colored glasses just flung right off. Hello everyone, welcome to Power Up Women, a multi-generational conversation about leadership, power, gender, and justice through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle. I'm recording this episode on April 12th, 2022 just five days after a major historic, or better yet, historic event in the U.S., the confirmation by the U.S. Senate of the Honorable Katanji Brown Jackson as a Supreme Court Justice. When she takes her seat this fall, she will be the first African-American woman ever to serve on the highest court in the U.S. justice system. This is not just a tremendous accomplishment by a brilliant and highly skilled woman. It is a giant step forward for women and people of color. And as joyful as I am about that news, I find it impossible to carry on with daily life while the suffering, devastation, and horrifying war crimes that Russian President Vladimir Putin and his military are racking on the people and country of Ukraine uh, are happening right now. I hope that you are paying close attention to this crisis and doing what you can to support democratic countries who are coming together to stop what could be just the tip of a very evil iceberg. Those two events, one an example of individual and national achievement, the other a powerful reminder of the evil humans are capable of, are important context for today's episode. Because my guests are two impressive young women I met recently while on the campus of Oakland University, which is located in my home community of Auburn Hills, Michigan, about 30 miles north of Detroit. We were all attending a film about gender, called Intersex. And we had such a fascinating conversation that I invited them to be guests on this podcast because I am very interested in seeing things through the, the very different lenses of different generations of women, particularly this next generation of ambitious young women about to move into the workplace. So let me introduce them. Ashlyn Smith is a first-generation college student in her family, just a few months away from earning her Bachelor of Arts in Communications. Besides being a full-time student, she is also a full-time corporate employee. I got to understand how she does that. But she has been supporting herself from the age of 19 and describes herself as a person who has worked to lift herself from the ground up and isn't willing to settle for anything less than she deserves. Welcome, Ashlyn. Hi, thank you for having us. And Taylor Schwartz is graduating from Oakland University and the Honors College this month with a double major in social work and sociology. And this fall, she will begin working on her law degree at Wayne State University. Her focus, she tells me, has always been on identifying stratification and inequity and looking for ways to correct it. 
Welcome, Taylor. Hi, excited to be here. You know, I don't think it was an accident that my friend, handwriting examiner Ruth Holmes, and I sat down in front of you before the film began because I think I was really meant to meet you because of what impressive young women you are and really how important I believe your perspectives are to hear. So, so let's start with a little more background on why you chose the fields you've been studying and are now about to enter. So Ashlyn, let me start with you. Why did you choose a degree in communications and what do you hope to do with this? Well, I, my college journey originally started very differently. I started as a nursing major. I was very set on being in a health sciences field. That's exactly what I thought I would be doing. And then we were freshmen coming in class in 2019. So COVID hits March, 2020 and everything changes. We, I myself have to analyze, you know, is this something that I can see myself doing in the new normal that's in our world? So I just started analyzing things that I've always been naturally good at and just enjoyed. I realized that I didn't need to do a job that I thought that was good for me. I could do something that I actually enjoyed doing. And I didn't even know communication was a major. I just Googled (laughs) all of the things that I felt like I was good at and liked doing and communication came up. And so I went with it. And it's really just a day by day journey of figuring out what learning and communication means for me, but also just pursuing something that I really enjoy. I just started a blog a few weeks ago and have been able to explore that and write and just, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And I feel like I've set myself up so that wherever I end up in the field, I will be happy. You know, one of the things we talked about when we first met at the film was, you know, why why were you at that film called Intersex? But I believe it was because of a particular class you were taking related to that. Is that right? Yeah, so I am in a race and communication class, and we were offered to go see the film as an extra credit assignment. Tell us about that class. I mean, I'm just fascinated by some of the classes that you've had the opportunity to take that I, I, I would love to go back and take some of those. It's a really impressive class. I actually, I was in that class last night. It's one of my night classes and we were discussing our thoughts on the class and everything that we've learned. And the best way that I've been able to kind of sum it up is that it is so amazingly horrific being a part of a class like that because you get to learn all of this erased history that we never would have known about having not taken a course like this but it's just so eye-opening I mean we're learning about we the first book we read was Not a Nation of Immigrants by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz and it's all about all of the different types of immigration in the United States and how we're in fact not immigrants at all. It was the stealing and capturing of all these people and ideas of settler colonialism. And just like I I said last night, and I'll say it again, it was like we started with that book and the rose colored glasses just flung right off. You just come to really see the world for the way that it is. And we just wrapped up my book. It's called Race for Profit. And it's all about in Detroit and other inner cities and about the way housing and race correspond with each other and the way that our government and corporations have really used race for profit when it comes to the housing market and keeping people out of 
areas and redlining and just the restrictions that, you know, just looking at the area itself, you wouldn't necessarily know about until you dive deeper. So it's just very enlightening course. You just, you just don't know until you know. You just don't know till you know. Wow. Well, well, tell us, Taylor, about your your chosen field. Very, very different. What is it that made you choose the path that you're headed? My college career started actually kind of similarly to Ashland's. Originally, when I started at Oakland, I was a chemistry major and dead set on going to medical school to go into psychiatry. So somewhere along the way, I realized that I was only doing that. I've been accused of being an achievement junkie. So I was only doing that <laughs> to live up to some sort of strange expectation I put on myself so that the only like way that I could be successful was to be in the health sciences. And then I realized I was a lot more passionate about mental health than I was about science. So I went into social work and that required me to take a few sociology classes, including my still current favorite sociological stratification. I took that my freshman year and immediately after added sociology as a second major. In that class, I read a book called The American Dream and the Power of Wealth by Heather Beth Johnson. And that was, like Ashlyn said, just way eye-opening and ripped the rose-colored glasses off because it gave me a brand new perspective on education. Because in this country, we tend to see education as this great equalizing factor when that's not necessarily always the case due to different funding in public districts and lack of access to higher education. So that sort of set me into this sort of path of trying my best to learn about the policies that make this the case. And that's sort of how I'm going into law school. I know that you also did some work as an intern or a volunteer in the whole field of domestic violence. Tell us um, what that experience, uh, how that impacted you. Yeah, so I worked with the Community Advocacy Project that was through Wayne State University. They unfortunately lost their funding this past October, and I was really kind of devastated to learn about that. While we were there, it was a team of advocates that would be assigned a couple of cases of survivors, and we would help guide them through the process of getting personal protection orders and helping them restore their credit from where their abusers may have financially abused them and getting them set up with emergency housing and food stamps and things like that. So speaking to them also was just kind of, there's no other word for it, eye-opening experience because it's so different from the life that I have lived. And it just gave me another perspective into the sort of injustices that can happen in this world. And like you were saying earlier, the evil that other people are capable of. What are your ambitions in terms of what you hope to accomplish as this achievement junkie, I think you called yourself, right? That was a nickname given to me by my choir teacher in high school. But yes, law school is not part of that, even though it could be perceived that way. It's part of a very definite goal. I would like to eventually open a nonprofit law clinic, very similar to the Community Advocacy Project, where I can do low-cost services for domestic violence survivors and youth in the justice system. Ashlyn, what are your thoughts about the kind of uh, things that you hope to do with your career in communications? I know one of your specializations is public relations. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many different routes that I could go. And it's so interesting to consider. And sometimes it's hard because I have friends like Taylor, who's like, I'm going to do this. And that's what my heart's for. And I'm all in. And it's so amazing to see. And you know, I just I don't quite have that. I, I really feel like as long as I am happy where I'm at, I'm really good to go. I really enjoy, I know when we first spoke at the film, I explained that I really enjoy like written communication. I really like to write and I see myself writing to help people in some way, shape or form. I briefly mentioned that I just started a blog and that's really just like a passion project right now. But the response that I've gotten from that is really showing me what it is that I want to put out there because perspective is so important. And especially in a communication and PR role, you are providing the perspective and it's so important to cover every different line of what that means. So I'm just really interested and excited to step into something where I can use the power of words and spoken tongue to help people and to guide people in whatever that means. What's your blog in case people want to check that out? The blog is called Raise of You. The website link is raise-of-u.squarespace.com. Okay. Let's get into uh, some bigger picture issues uh, because you're about to enter the workplace now and um, very, very close to being this, this next generation that hopefully can do a better job of tackling some of the issues that are out there. Uh, Taylor, what are you afraid of? What, what worries you at this point? Honestly, this is kind of a strange, maybe unfounded fear, but I have been in a vastly female dominated field for the last three years. Uh, Social workers are overwhelmingly female. Sociologists are overwhelmingly female. And even the men in there are usually pretty sensitive to women's topics due to the nature of the work that we do. But law school might be a different story. So my professors may not be as uh, knowledgeable or understanding of what it is like to go through the education system as a woman or uh, my classmates may not be as sensitive to certain topics. So I don't know, I'm a little bit afraid of the culture that I'll be entering into in the workplace. Even, even, even today, I mean, it's interesting for me to hear that because I mean, law school now is 50% women, but, but there's still that fear. I mean, have you personal had experiences? I mean, you must have to have said what you just said about gender discrimination? Yes. So it's just been minor things in my experience. I know I'm in like a more affluent area and I am a white woman, so I'm not as impacted by discrimination as some people are, but there've just been times in classes where the classic thing where I would answer a question from a professor and then a man would raise his hand and say literally the exact same thing that I had just said. Like he wasn't listening, he was listening to respond and then took what I said and said it in a longer way with more words and tried to make it sound smarter. And luckily my professors have been ones that would call that out and say like, oh yeah, like Taylor was saying, and then continue. Wow. Wow. Good for your professor, but I'm horrified to hear that that is still going on. I mean, women have been complaining about this for my entire working life, which is almost 50 years now. Still happening, huh? Yes. 
Ashlyn, what, what are you afraid of? What do you worry about? It's hard because sometimes I wonder if the question's more like, what is there not to be afraid of? There's just so many different there you aspects. Go. <laughs> There's so many yeah, different things. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, we talk about Taylor mentions the discrimination that you see and things like that. And you get that not only just from men, like your male counterparts, but you can get that from women too, which is almost more terrifying. I mean, just we have to work together to kind of lift each other up. And I feel like when you get into sometimes, and this isn't to be um, stereotypical, but you get into spaces where it's competitive and that can bring the worst out in people, especially in women, tearing each other down and telling you things to mislead you or misguide you, or even maybe to prompt you in a direction that they think is better for you. It's just not what you're going for. Um, And that's scary. What are your perspectives on feminism? Because uh, when I was your age and and just coming out of the university, moving into the workplace, I mean, it was at the height of the second wave women's movement in the early 1970s. And I mean, at that time, I mean, being a feminist was like really a sense of incredible pride. And, and then I watched this incredible backlash against that as feminism became like the, the big F word in, in corporate America. It, w- it was the really dangerous word. And as if feminists were these man-hating, you know, women, which was never my experience with it. And I'm just wondering, where is that, that idea today? What do you think of when you think of feminism? And is that something positive or, or is it still have negative feelings? This is kind of a tricky question because for me, I have always taken it as at face value. Feminism means equality and it means women are equal to men and men are equal to women. And it's all about closing the gaps between equity. And right now we're in what some people refer to as third wave feminism, which is less about changing policy and more about changing attitudes. So I think now that we have the right to vote and the right to own our own credit cards and have our names on loans and things like that. Some people think that feminism is no longer necessary because we are equal to men legally, but in some cases that is not always carried out because we still do have a wage gap, even though there are policies against having such things. I know some people still think of the word feminism as a dirty word because they equate it with misandry, which is not the case, at least not to me. I take it as equality and equity and making sure that everyone is treated equally. Ashlyn, how about you? What's uh, been your experience with that, that word or that concept? I mean, it's an angsty word and it's an angsty concept. And I think that a lot of people see it that way. It's almost just when you first look at it, especially in our society today, feminism is just, it seems provocative. It puts a bad taste in people's mouth, which is unfair. It's just a common misconception that it really is like what Taylor said. It's just about equality. It's about equity. We are fighting for our lives just to be treated like equal human beings. And we're still not necessarily there. We have our male counterparts trying to step up and go ahead of us. We have all of these different things. And it really is just a matter of wanting to be treated like an equal human being. It's that simple. If you were just walking on the sidewalk and surveyed a bunch of different people and asked them their thoughts mm-hmm. about 
feminism, you would get mm-hmm. such a mixed amount of responses because it's still really so uncertain. And I think that people just don't understand the concept of it. It's not this angry thing that we're trying to do. It's just about being a human. What about men? What have been your relationships with men? Positive, negative? I mean, perhaps, I mean, your fathers, your brothers, bosses, boyfriends, peers. What can you share with us about your experiences with men that are, that are shaping really the mindset that you that you bring to waking up in the morning? One recent experience stands out, and this was with a peer that was kind of adjacent to my friend group. So we, we saw each other quite often, but this man would take everything that was even mildly provocative that I would say, and turn it into some sort of like debate. Like for example, one of my guy friends made a joke about women not being able to drive. And I was like, haha, that's not funny, but also statistically men get in more car accidents. Um, so much so that insurance rates for men in some places are higher than for women. And this man took that and was like pushing me for more information and for sources. And I was like, whoa, that was just an offhand comment that I made in response to a joke that was in poor taste. This is not an official academic debate, but it (laughs) it would be everything that I would say that he would challenge. Anything that I said with any amount of authority was a direct challenge to him. Mm -hmm. Ashlyn, how about you? I mean, as a whole, I feel pretty fortunate with my interactions with men. I don't feel like I've had anything super catastrophic or demeaning in that way. I mean, my dad always taught me when I was younger, like if they're going to hit you, just hit them right back. (laughs) Not not necessarily physically, but just like stand up for yourself. Like don't take it. And if they're going to dish it out, just give it right back to them. I mean, what's the point? And just allowing it. And sometimes it is misconstrued, like Taylor said, and you're like, I'm just, I'm just responding. I'm just telling you what the facts are and what that means. But I, I mean, I've been really lucky and I have a younger brother and it's such a cool experience, him having two older sisters and getting to like, we get to train him. <laughs> it's like, no, you can't do this. You can't be that kind of guy. <laughs> like, that's not cool. Your girlfriend's not going to like that. I mean, he's, he's 13. Job. So the girlfriends don't really <laughs> recognize these things, but it's like, we get that privilege too. To step in and intervene, which is just, I mean, it's just great. Yeah, I know, I know that both of you are big sisters, and I'm a big sister too. And it's interesting that you talk about the opportunity to to mentor and guide your younger brother, which is fantastic. Taylor, I know you're a big sister too. Do you have any of that opportunity in your family? Yes. When, when my brother started dating, especially, he would he would kind of mention things to me, not asking for advice, but definitely asking for advice, you know, in the way teenage boys would of their older sisters. So it was kind of a cool experience to get to tell him what it was like to be a 15-year-old girl and how I would want my 15-year-old boyfriend to have treated me at the time. So I hope he eventually takes that to heart, but- That is great. You know, I want to take a little time here to talk about social media, because that is just such a powerful force in uh, our society. And I'm, I'm interested in first starting out in terms of at what age did social media become a factor in your lives? 
as early as like fourth or fifth grade, I think, is when I made my first Instagram account. Yeah, I was Ashlyn? exposed. I was exposed to it. I had friends that had social media at that age, but I was not. I was not allowed to have any social media until I got my first iPhone, which was in the eighth grade. So I didn't. I was a little bit later, about thirteen. Taylor, I think you told me you have twenty thousand followers. Is that right? On TikTok, I did it one time. It's now hovering more around 17, but that's because I I stopped posting because of the intense amount of harm it did to my mental health to have such a public presence. I gained the following by posting about current events and giving different perspectives on current events. So obviously that can be a little bit contentious to some people, but instead of Uh, being like, oh, I disagree with you actually. And having an intelligent conversation about it, people on the internet will be people on the internet and came for uh, my appearance, my voice, the way that I spoke and delivered information, anything that was completely irrelevant to what I was saying, they would come for. So eventually I just started posting just for my friends and my followers have dwindled because I don't have many public videos anymore. Dwindled dwindled to 17,000? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, how do you use social media? I mean, Taylor, you talked about the fact that you've changed a bit, but how are you strategically using social media in your lives these days? Ashlyn, let's go over to you. Ah, Strategically, that's such an important way to ask that question, because is it how often do people use it strategically? Honestly, I mean, I right now I've, I've completely deleted my Instagram account. I'm not involved on Instagram at all. Um, And I guess that's almost strategic in a way because I had to kind of step back and think about how to guard myself and to not be so predisposed to all of these trends and all of these, you know, these things that people are trying to live up to. And the, for lack of a better term, the fakeness that comes out with it, you have your friends that you know, and the way that they put themselves out on the internet is completely different than the person that you know, and it's frustrating and it's harmful. And it makes, it gives you a sense of like, is, is, do I know this person? And I think it even comes with ourselves. We're posting things that we just want people to see the good side, or we want people to see this perfectly constructed view of our lives. And it's like, do I even know that person that I'm putting out there? So in a strategic sense, I've completely removed myself from that platform because I grew frustrated and I grew angry and I don't want to have those feelings towards myself nor my friends that I love. So I'm primarily on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I don't post on TikTok. It's more of just like for senseless fun. <laughs> I, it's like watching TV. You don't have to think about it very much. But as far as Facebook goes and Twitter goes, Twitter's super strategic for me and TikTok as well for getting information, just gathering news and learning new things about what's going on. I mean, our generation doesn't tap into the news very much, especially on like your local cable channels. So having elements like that really gives us a space to be able to explore those things. And that's primarily what I use, especially Twitter for, is to absorb and learn about what's going on in current events. It's a powerful tool for sure that can do a lot of good, but also uh, be very dangerous. Um, Taylor, how are you using it? TikTok though, I use in a very similar way that Ashlyn said. Most of my 
for you feed on TikTok is current events and news, which obviously I will fact check if it comes from some random person, but it is a good and very easy and accessible way to learn about current events. You know, I want to ask you about being a looking back earlier in your life in terms of your young women now, but what do you remember about yourselves as maybe a young girl and maybe a favorite memory or something that you look back on and say, wow, that was when the light bulb went on in terms of maybe who you were starting to think you wanted to be. And I think about it, one of my very favorite memories, a powerful memory was the fact that whenever my family, and I'm one of seven children, went to the amusement park, I never wanted to go on the rides. I just sat on the ponies. And even when I was out of tickets, you know, I just sat on the ponies. And I am a lifelong horsewoman. I mean, I ride five days a week. I mean, that that love of horses was in me. And I'm the only one in my family. None of my brothers and sisters are into horses at all. But it was in me from a very young age. And I'm sure there are parts of yourself that were in you from a really young age. Is there something you remember? Taylor. It's not exactly specific, but I remember I spent a lot of time outside as a kid. I had this place set in my house backed up to some woods that we owned. So I would go on like exploring adventures and me and my next door neighbor friend would play hunger games in the woods uh, and things like that. So I guess through that, I'm a very curious and still, even as a 21 year old woman, very imaginative person. So I think I can tie that part of my personality all the way back to childhood. Ashlyn, what do you think of when I ask you to kind of think back? Well, it takes me a minute to really think. I mean, I don't remember. There were big parts of my childhood, but there's also a lot of it that I feel like I just don't remember at all. And Taylor and I have this in common. I grew up in theater and doing musicals and singing and performing. I mean, from the time that I was nine years old until I was 15, I was involved in musical theater. Then I stepped into show choir and just always performing in some way, shape or form. And it's so interesting because you look back and as a child, like it's just something that you're doing. You're getting up on stage, you do the makeup, your hair, you have the costume and you get to be somebody that you're not. You get to pretend for few hours and all of the hard work that goes into doing something like that. And like I said, I did this for years and it's so interesting because the lasting effect that it's had on me now being an early adult and how it's impacted my life is that, I mean, I can talk to people. I have this utter confidence and boldness where I'm able to just have a conversation. I'm able to get up and speak in front of people, even to do something like this, like to be on this podcast. I honestly don't know if I would have been able to say yes as easily if I didn't have that type of background where I've just always been comfortable talking and sharing because I got to live the lives of all of these imaginary characters. And now I get to live my own and tell that story in my own way. So it taught me a lot. And I didn't think that it would have such a lasting effect, but it really, really has. Who do you admire in terms of women, maybe who through history or today, who inspire you? 
I have a pin of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on my bulletin board that I hang in my room and several of her quotes taped to my mirror, not to idolize political figures and not that judges should be political figures, but she was one of the first women in the highest court of the nation. And she had a lot of powerful ideas about elevating women. My graduation cap that I actually just decorated says, when there are nine. So her quote, when she was asked when there will be enough women on the Supreme Court, and she says, when there are nine, because there have been nine men and no one had a problem with that. So um, for over a hundred years, yeah, almost 200, right? That's awesome. Ashlyn, how about you? I, I honestly don't have a famous figure or anybody like that. Honestly, just like the women who are around me are so inspiring. Having friends like Taylor, our friend group, Taylor and I have the coolest friend group. <laughs> we really do. Our, our little girl gang plus our friend Joey is just, it's awesome. And it's so cool to get to learn from different types of people. And then I, I would be lying if I didn't say my mom, like she's my number one girl. And I've learned so much from her. And I've been so fortunate to not only just have her as my mother, but also as a true deep friend of mine who I've been able to learn and connect with so much and having that type of exposure right on the forefront to all of these wonderful women is so powerful. Well, you two have been fantastic. I absolutely loved this conversation with you and thank you for accepting my invitation. I'm going to give you the last word. What would you like our listeners to know about your generation of, of ambitious women? Because each generation is different and hopefully stands on the shoulders of the generation before. Give us a little more credit. <laughs> we're trying. Well, I mean, I mean, we're trying. There's so many people that I talk to and they're just like, your generation is lazy and nobody wants to work and nobody wants to do this or that. And we are fighting for a new kind of change. It's not about hard work. It's about hard. It's not about hard work in the workplace. It's about hard work in life all around. We're looking to change policies. We're looking to change the way that you wake up in the morning and have to drive to work for 10 hours. We're creating this new reality. So give us a little more credit because you might not see it, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I love it. Taylor, your last thoughts on what you'd like people to know about your generation. I was going to say something extremely similar, just we deserve to be here. We deserve to reach new heights and we are doing everything we can to deserve everything that the previous generations have and have built and we want to build upon them. So yeah, we, we deserve to be here and please give us a little more credit. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Oakland University seniors, Ashlyn Smith and Taylor Schwartz. I wish you both great success in your chosen professional careers and in your personal lives. It is absolutely time for my generation of aspiring women to pass the baton to yours, but I can assure you that I will not be standing on the sidelines. I'm going to have your, but I'm thrilled to see you take the lead. And I hope that you go faster and find your confidence and your voices and your rhythm much earlier in your lives. And I, I can see that in you already. Nothing makes me happier 
than to, uh, to see you step forward and lead. And I know you both are going to make a fantastic difference. Now let's all go power up. Thanks for joining us at Power Up Women. We hope you'll keep listening and share us with your network. It would really help us reach more aspiring women if you would take the time to rate us on your favorite podcast platform. We have over 100 episodes for you to choose from, and I'd love to hear your ideas for future episodes. You can reach me through my Ann Doyle Leadership website. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. Make sure you reach back and lift others as you climb. I'm Ann Doyle.